Welcome back, everybody. You're listening to the Chronic Sisters podcast. You're joined by your usual hosts, Jess and Sean. Welcome back, everybody. Um, This week's episode is a little bit different. So before we get into that, we've actually missed a couple of our uh, favorite segments over the last couple of episodes because, you know, the time difference has got the better of us. So I guess we'll we'll just kick right in, hey sis? Let's go. Because it's time <coughs> for the Fun Fact Follow-Up. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> You're just doing crazy ad-libs each week. It's a bit much. <laughs> Shit. Okay, well, if the nursing career doesn't suit us, babe, (laughs) you can go into some um, jingle singing. Anyway, so we've got a couple of fun fact follow-ups from the last couple of episodes. And your daddy dearest, uh, Papa Papa Gannon, came in with the goods around episode one when we were talking about the hokey cokey versus the hokey pokey which i'll just remind you sean i won our insta poll it is hokey pokey <laughs> yeah but i feel like that's because the majority of voters were on the australian time zone so it's always gonna Dull. be it's up for 24 hours you yeah. hit all areas all right of the world. whatever i'm just saying you suck anyway Papa Gannon did some classic research, as he does, Mm. and he basically found an article that explained the origins of the Hokey Cokey Cokey song. Um, It originated from the United Kingdom and the Caribbean, also known as Hokey Pokey, in South Africa, United States, Canada, Australia and Israel. So more countries. Yeah, but... The superior. but, But the UK started it and we... That was back in the day when we, like, went everywhere. That was when English people were shitter than they are now. Okay. Anyway, it was originally a campfire song and had a participation of dance um, to accompany the tune, and it's well-known in English-speaking countries. It originates in a British... as a British folk... folk dance. Folk dance. Folk. Folk. Folk? Folk dance. Folk. It's a genre. Folk? F-O-L-K? Folk. Folk dance. Folk. Oh, fuck. <laughs> well, at least you make me give the people a new poll every week. <laughs> fuck so say. Um, it started as early as 1826. Thank and then you. he goes he through goes the on. whole thing, tells us all the lyrics, and uh, knees bend, arm stretch, rah, rah, rah is part of the lyrics. So. It's definitely not. But thank you, Papa Gannon. Anyway, thank I, you thank so you much. Thank you for the support, Papa Gannon. And I, then... Yeah, my mum came through with a fun fact for that same week. She loved how confident Fee was at so the confident. end of the app with her, do you have a question for me? <laughs> she goes, ooh, who fucking invented the telephone? Yeah, and she said Graham Alexander Bell when, in actual fact, it's, it's the other Alexander way Graham Bell. So, so awkward. But, like, I don't know how my mum knows that. She knows zero like mum and i are the people you don't take to a trivia night yeah sure she has no random facts that's a fun fact to know uh, to know to the point to correct it yeah to and not it's go, just oh, so yeah, sure. not mum but anyway thanks mum for that correction there so yeah so we are up to date on the old fun fact follow-ups we are we hope and i don't have any marketplace madness stories this week very sorry still waiting still waiting for that um but this week we are diving in now to our interview with the most amazing incredible inspiring just wonderful human sunshine in a person really like you could just bottle her up 
Um, Shan and I interviewed Jackie Fraser, who is a 30-year-old girl from Bustleton in mm-hmm. WA, who's currently travelling with her husband and her two deliciously cute doggos. And they are travelling currently up the north side of WA. Yep. Um, and she is a inspiring, beautiful human who has cystic fibrosis and in 2020 underwent a double lung transplant. Yeah, peak COVID times. Yeah, and so we talk all things... Cystic fibrosis related, organ donation related, mental health related, travel, love, life, everything. Everything. And it was just the most real, raw chat. And we are so excited to hop into that conversation with her and for you guys to all listen. So we hope you enjoy it. Um, I think from my point of view, it was my favorite interview I think we've ever done. Oh yeah, for sure, easily, by far. So here's our conversation with Jackie Fraser. Welcome to the podcast, Jackie. Thank you for thank having you. me. No, thank you. It's been a long time coming. Yeah, very exciting. We literally said season one. I was like, we need Jackie on. Yeah. Oh. And now we're season three, so it's taken a hot minute, but we're here. <laughs> but I feel like we're more a refined podcast, so we're at the quality that can welcome you in yeah. and reach your caliber, you know, can Perfect do you justice. Time to be here. <laughs> exactly, exactly. We missed our window of opportunity with you in Perth. Oh, yeah. Um, but, you know, we're doing the best we can. So we're doing a virtual virtual chit-chat, um, but it's going to be as good as if you were here. Making it work. Absolutely. I'm so jealous that you're up in X now. Oh, I am yeah. so jealous. Yeah, so for those of you who don't know, Jackie has relocated with her wonderful husband and pooches up to Exmouth. And if you follow her Instagram, it is inundated with beautiful scenery shots of camping and beach sundowners and just making us all very jealous living her best life my yeah. friend sarah and her partner shane are actually up there so if you meet friends that are like all our age sarah and oh, shane look yeah. out for us. Sarah and shane. okay <laughs> i'll keep it in mind yeah good, yeah good good um so we'd like to check in on our um guests when they come onto the uh podcast so how are you feeling today jackie I'm feeling really good. I have been, I slept in, which was nice. Oh, lovely. Yes. Um, And then I got up and did my favourite thing, which is just to sit in the sun and have a coffee, just with the dogs. Lovely. Um, And then I thought, I'll just get in a walk before I was ready to do this. So I was just getting the blood flowing. All the things off, and I'm feeling very, my cup's full. Amazing. Good. I'm Amazing. so glad that you could do that this yeah. morning Thank you. and fitting us in feeling? in between. Well. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there you go. That says it all, doesn't it? Thank sister? you for asking, Jackie. Um, I, I'm just fresh out of COVID isolation. And when I say fresh, I've been hibernating for an extra week. Um, it has been um, an eventful couple of weeks. I did not give COVID the credit it was due. <laughs> Um, even though I've been working in the space for nearly three years, I was like, I'll be fine. Um, look, I wasn't fine. (laughs) It was, (laughs) my lungs felt like they were itchy and so itchy that I couldn't like, nothing I could do would get rid of the itch. Um, and just the headaches and body aches, it felt like it attacked my hip. Um, so I had a hip replacement last year and it felt as if I was post-op. Wow. Like the level of pain. Yeah, it was in it was insane. Oh my God. And having spoken to people who also have ailments like that, they said that that area was 
exaggerated during their COVID infection. So I don't know whether it like goes for the weak spot or yeah, what, attacks, but it maybe the weak areas. Yeah, it just went for the underbelly. <laughs> like, yeah, <laughs> but I'm I'm feeling okay. The fatigue is definitely something that um, is real, and yeah. on on top of being fatigued already, it's a, a nice little extra weight to carry. Yeah. Um, but we were talking about it um, offline, but. Being chronically ill is a good practice for COVID uh, because you are practiced in not knowing how you're going to feel every day and also acting and being at a low capacity. So existing, not full tank all the time, um, having not done anything, you're still functioning on like 10 percent yeah, so yeah you're well versed in the yeah. life of covid yeah um, and i think that's a, exactly exactly well practiced at what, being sick what a thing to but, be good at <laughs> i know you know if, if there's got to be a silver lining to all of this yeah, doesn't it really yeah. and if that's something i'm gonna take it yeah that's so as good I, as it's gonna I get feel like the chronically ill community was just like so ready for covid yeah, <laughs> yeah bring and it on the, co- yeah. the chronic the chronic community has also been like, this is what we've been dealing with forever. Yeah. Welcome. Sit down. <laughs> yeah. Sit down. And enjoy. <laughs> and just listen to the elders, okay? Yeah. <laughs> we've been here before. Yeah. So I know you're tired. I don't care. We're all tired. <laughs> you're going to get more tired. <laughs> exactly. And I just think it's very funny how mainstream, the mainstream community, the able community are like, oh, I don't know how to exist. Yeah. Like, that's what we've been saying. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Are you finally listening? Oh. Yeah. Oh, you, you get it now because you're doing it. Oh, okay. Yeah. I see. Thanks I see. Mm. Yeah. Better late than never, but could have done with this like decades ago. But yeah. it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. But how yeah. are you feeling, sis? Um, I'm feeling all right. Uh, the COVID still doesn't want me, which I'm happy about. But yes. now I live with this anxiety that it's going to come when I actually have something fun planned. I'm like, yeah. oh, when is it going to come? So yeah. I'm still like I've been in close contact that many times between especially in the last two weeks between old mate here and my parents. I was sure I was out, down and out. But this week, just been working very hard, very long hours. ICU is a hard time to oh, place to work in at the moment. Um, so that's been tricky. And But Sean was very proud of me. Last night, I cancelled all of my plans and I had a night on my own. Oh. And I watched a movie. I put, well, I didn't watch, I watched a serial killer documentary. Oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> um, That's relaxing. Yeah. Mm. Put a face mask on, painted my nails and just cuddled my dog in oh, front of my fireplace. And it was perfect. ideal. So Good I do soul. feel much better this morning for having yeah. taken some me time to fill yeah. my cup back up. Yeah. And I also did the coffee and stroll with a girlfriend this morning. So lovely. that was lovely. Look at you two just flaunting your full cups, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> You're like Sorry, bloody bartenders apologies. with apologies. those full cups. <laughs> oh my goodness. I've um I've wondered about people that haven't had COVID yet and whether they've had it asymptomatically. Yeah. Well you know? I would agree with you. However, this one, having lupus, yeah. like the slightest little bit of anything, she's down and out. Mm. Yeah. Well, not down and out, but down should be out, but seals goes on anyway. <laughs> so Just get through it. Yeah. <laughs> Pushes um, through, ups the steroids and powers we'll, through. We'll yeah. <laughs> yeah. Keep going. Um, <laughs> excuse me. But I think if you, I, I agree in that 
the mainstream people yeah. uh, have had it and been asymptomatic yeah. back when that was a thing. Yeah. But I don't think you'd be able to slip under no. the radar. The I, only I thing would be... I think fatigue would be like, oh, yeah. this oh, is no. a bit more than usual. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> Should stop now. Yeah. I yeah. think you, would, you wouldn't know it was specifically COVID. I think you would be, this is a really bad, bad flare. flare. Yeah. Because all the symptoms, like everyone's like, oh, I get such a sore throat and I got really fatigued. But if I have a lupus flare, that's the two things. I can get really oh, razor blades, wow. sore throat, swollen yeah. lymph nodes, all my lymph just kick off. And I feel like I'm swallowing glass and I get really fatigued and I get a temperature. Oh. So I'm like, oh. Is it COVID? Is it a flare or is it yeah. COVID? Yeah, yeah, every morning I'm like, we'll do a little rap. Is it, is it lupus or COVID? <laughs> I don't know. know. Luck of the draw. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. What a, what a roulette. Yeah. Roulette of life. <laughs> so good. Anyway, that's a bit about our chronic conditions, which yeah. all our listeners already know about. So how about, Jackie, you tell us a little bit about cystic fibrosis. Yes. So um, I was... When I was born, I had something called myconium ileus, um, which is where your bowel is blocked. So that happened, and that's pretty much one of the main symptoms that doctors look for, um, and they sort of go, okay, a bowel blockage, probably CF. Um, mm-hmm. And I was born back when they weren't doing the heel prick tests. Yeah, and the sweat tests. Yes. So yep. The sweat yeah. test comes after. Yeah, yeah, so- yeah. For those, just give some background for the peoples. Um, Nowadays in 2022, um, babies that are born have a heel prick test. um, And on that test, it it screens for a number of very common, in inverted commas, um, pediatric conditions. And one of those is cystic fibrosis. And if that test comes back positive, um, the patient or child, (laughs) patient, the child, um, Our our, our patients, people's children um have to go for what's called a sweat test and I actually used to do the sweat tests I did my first one last fortnight because my yeah yeah I had a little patient was actually a sibling of one of my patients tested positive on the heel prick yeah and then so they were like oh are they a carrier or are they not and so I had to do a little sweat test yeah so what what are they like now because I was thinking about it the other day it's it it was pretty lot of sweat for a tiny little baby (laughs) it's full on it was very bad barrack as well so this was like 10 years ago that I did this and it was like this um it almost looked very Frankenstein scientist yeah thing. it, it was like the circle the circle paddles yeah. okay yeah. so it's like these little metal circle paddles and they stick on the inside of your arm on your bicep and the inside of like your calf or your thigh depending on the child and you had to like put this special bit of paper that's going to collect the sweat underneath the paddle and you'd wrap it up and then you'd put the baby in like 5,000 layers of clothes mm. and just leave them for an hour to I sweat. I just snuggled this baby yeah, like so tight. Like giving them like, all of the heat. hot and cozy. Yeah. But it was honestly because of the chemical that you have to put on the piece of paper and that the little paddle sends like little electrodes, there's a there's a chance of burning the, the skin. Oh my and so, God. yeah. So every time you do it, you have to make sure that the paddle doesn't slip and because yeah. the electricity and the vibrations and the chemical can cause a surface burn. And so, th- and this is, you're normally doing this when the baby's quite young. So mm. in the first year of life. So you're literally talking to this family of being like, Hey, I know you've come in for a sweat test and you're very concerned about the health of your child, but I'm going to put this archaic looking machine on them and I may burn them but we won't know until after 
So <laughs> sorry. And look, good I luck. apologize in advance. <laughs> I'm hope I hope I'm good is all I'm saying. Yeah, um, yeah. But I, I was only thinking about that, having known that we were talking to you today. It's like I wonder if the thing is still as archaic as it was. It is. And it is. Firm last fortnight. So we still <laughs> yeah, haven't yeah. we still haven't broken through on the old uh, medicine and how we do it. But uh, carry on. Sorry, Jackie. <laughs> So, yeah, so you had a bowel blockage. Yes, I Go. did. I had a bowel blockage <laughs> and I actually had to have surgery at like two days old. Um, mm. And they removed some of my bowel because of the blockage. Um, and I've just got a nice scar across my stomach still, which is fine. Yep. Um, and they discovered that I had CF and I would have then had to have the sweat test. Um, and CF, I think in Australia, there's about 3,400 um, Australians living with cystic fibrosis. Wow. Um, so not that common mm. in comparison to Australia's population. <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it, it is classed as a rare condition. Yeah, so. yeah, a rare Yeah, condition. it's a very, it's a, it's a well-known rare condition. I think it's the most common genetic condition. Yeah, um, yeah. In, in young people. Um, yeah. And it majorly, majoritally affects the lungs but it does also affect the pancreas um the sex organs um your bone health absorption Mm. all that sort of stuff Mm -hmm. um so it's just kind of a bit of a domino effect um and what actually causes cf is a imbalance in the cells with salt and water um and it creates really thick sticky mucus and that blocks um, air passages in the lungs, which then can trap bacteria. And then that bacteria causes infections, infections cause lung damage, and then that can result in a lung transplant. Yeah, so. In a nutshell. <laughs> in, in, absolutely, in a nutshell. In a nutshell. So that's, and we obviously, being pediatric nurses, as our career, we see a lot of cystic fibrosis patients. Yeah, I used to actually work with on the cystic fibrosis ward for the respiratory ward back at PMH back yeah. at the day, mm. back in the back in the archaic days yeah. when that <laughs> hospital existed. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, so but sad. yeah, it's not there anymore. I know, I know, but I obviously had heaps to do with kids coming in for their tune-ups, and like you're talking about the pancreas involvement. A lot of our CF kids had um, diabetes as well yeah, yeah, as a complication yeah. secondary to CF and all the, the mucus and I used to do lots of physio with them and it's not even mucus in your lungs, it's mucus in your gut. It yeah, slows all everywhere. that down and yeah. literally I was dishing out crayon tablets like they're going out yeah. of fashion. <laughs> yeah. Um, Just, yeah, you can have a crayon and you can yeah. have a crayon. Yeah. But it's really nice to talk to someone who's not an inpatient because that, that was what I found so hard. I always saw like, you know, all, you would have been, you would, I'm sure you would have experienced this, but I felt so awful when they'd come in for tune-ups and it was school holidays and they yeah. had to spend time with their on their little syringe drivers for antibiotics in hospital on school holidays just missing out on life and it's so cool to see someone like you who's our age living life like so cool oh good I'm glad yeah (laughs) no it's lovely to see the other side of it yeah absolutely it is and I think also we in hospital we obviously see when when people are unwell so not at their best and you know it, it can be um super isolating and obviously with cystic fibrosis which the 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 majority of people may be aware of because of the movie what is it five feet apart or something yep um is that cystic fibrosis patients aren't 
advised to hang out with other cystic fibrosis no. patients. Um, do you know why that is? Yeah, because of cross-infection. So we all carry different bugs. Um, I used to grow, my bug was Pseudomonas. Standard. Oh, yep. we love a Pseud. Yeah. We love it. Um, we can smell it. Yeah. 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 <laughs> that that you, mm-hmm. you walk past, you're like, pseudo stank. That's what that is. <laughs> um, and then, you know, another CF patient might not be growing pseudomonas. So if we were to hang out, I could give them my pseudomonas and then that could have a really bad effect on them. Um, they could end up needing to be in hospital with antibiotics. They might not be able to get rid of pseudomonas, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So we just, they sort of advise, don't hang out, don't spread your bugs. Yeah. Um, keep them to yourself. Yeah. And how did that make you feel growing up in an, in an environment where you want connection? Like, you know, growing up as a child, as a teenager, you, you want connection and you get connection from people that understand. Mm. And that would be someone else who has cystic fibrosis, but then they're the one person that you're told not to connect with. So how did you deal with that um, growing up and trying to gain that connection and that understanding? I think, um, and when I was growing up, Instagram and Facebook weren't, weren't big. Um, mm. I think we had MySpace for a little bit in the oh, Yeah, we did. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> Top nine friends. years of high school, <laughs> yes. But MySpace was amazing. Um, but I certainly didn't have the kind of connections that I have now. I think that's one of the really great things about social media is being able to make connections with people going through similar things to you. So now I have um, – we have a Facebook Messenger group and there's um, – 11 of us in that group Mm. um all with cf and we all talk every single day we have a snapchat group the same and i just think that connection between all of us has changed so many people's lives in that Mm. group um whereas before maybe they didn't talk to many people that had cf and i think some of the cross infection wasn't always always a big thing there were you know years and years and years ago they used to actually do cf camps where mm-hmm. all the patients with cf would go on a camp together yeah sure and hang <laughs> which out which just sounds crazy because i yeah. grew up in the cross infection period so yeah to sure me, that's the isolation like, phase yeah yeah exactly <laughs> yeah. um so to me that just sounds wild that they all just mm. hung out and had sleepovers and whatever else and they're all really still that older generation are all still really tight now and they go on holidays together and all that kind of thing and you know they don't really believe in cross-infection because they were always okay Mm -hmm. yeah sure now it's so so prevalent and I talk to a lot of parents that have um, young children with CF and they're really like really strong with the cross-infection and Mm. Um, germs and you know all that sort of stuff um whereas we even my age we probably weren't as wrapped in cotton wool but cross-infection was still such a big thing and I was always a bit shy in hospital so I never really like made that many friends I would just kind of stick stick to my room and I was pretty well as a kid I was only in hospital once a year for two weeks just for my annual annual checkup go Mm -hmm. in have a tune-up service the car that kind of thing Mm -hmm. yeah um so I never really made a lot of connections but a lot of girls or people my age 
they have friends that they've had for years and years and years since they were kids because they were always in hospital together. Yeah. So I just think it, yeah, I, I feel like it would have been nice to have those connections when I was growing up and when you're at your loneliest point in, you know, mm-hmm. your teenage years, thinking that you're the only one going through this and mm. why, why is it me? Why am I going through this? Why am I so different? All those sorts of thoughts and feelings. It would, mm. probably would have been nice to have a few more connections to help yeah. you through it. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. And I think also, you know, times are changing and people are getting sicker. There's new bugs like, you know, that 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 science will always be adaptive and always change. And so it's interesting that you say around back in the day that they would had cystic fibrosis camps. It just highlights the um, the change of Mm. evidence based practice is what we call it within the medical field. And so at that time, there was no data there was no research around the risk of cross infections and so people lived a, a life without it yeah. um and then as time changed and, and as data sick. and then just yeah. everyone got sicker after the camp <laughs> everyone had pseudomonas it was fine yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it was just a standard yeah. um and so it's just really interesting be i feel like it's our age group as well as like we've seen life pre the internet when we got the internet and then afterwards like it's like that you see that transition of time um and it's just really interesting um but I think it it it, you've you've made an excellent point in that social media there's a lot of bad rap for social media and like I understand that um and I'm sure we'll talk about it in later episodes but you're so right in that social media gives the chronic community, especially, you know, those of us that can't connect with people similar to us, like cystic fibrosis um, patients, it gives us an opportunity to connect um, and to feel less alone. And I think that's really important to validate that as an experience because we're told constantly that social media is bad for us and there are elements of it that are. Um, but I think there's so much good within it for a certain amount of people. And I think, you know, the group of cystic fibrosis patients is one of them. Yeah, definitely. For sure. Yeah. To connect yeah. with. So like you said, your your journey, you weren't very sick when you were a child. So you only came in for a, your annual tune-ups. And so for those of you that don't know what a tune-up is, every year, basically as, an, yeah. as a minimum, um, cystic fibrosis patients would come into hospital they would get all of their lung function tests which I'm sure you love um which is when (laughs) you you have to blow and um see the lung capacity to see whether or not um the the oxygen's getting through to the lower lobes of your lungs and etc and then um they will also go on a course of antibiotics and so that would happen every year to kind of maintain like you said very uh, um cheeky car service cheeky car service that was that's very good anecdote yeah um and so that's kind of what the life the minimum expectation is or the minimal uh the minimum as well as daily tablets daily diet choices all of those things yeah so because cystic fibrosis affects like you said the mucus and the absorption can you tell our listeners about what that does for food as well yeah so um because it affects our pancreas we have a lot of trouble, our pancreas doesn't work properly, we have a lot of trouble digesting and taking out all the good stuff in food, so all the um, fat-soluble vitamins and all of that. 
that good stuff that you sort of need to function and maintain weight and energy and, and you know, get through days. <laughs> um, <laughs> yep. So we take uh, enzymes every single day. I take Creon um, with all of our meals, so any, anything that has fat content in it. Um, and then that just supports our, our digestion and helps take out all the good bits. So we often are like quite slim <laughs> and uh. underweight. <laughs> yeah. And you have to have a high salt diet too, don't yeah, you? Yeah, yeah. High, well, high salt and high fat. Yeah, because mm. everyone out on the ward used to get so mad when they saw the CF kids in because their snacks were so fun so compared much to everyone else. It's like, what yeah. do you mean they get potato chippies? Yeah, <laughs> encouraged to have chips and burgers and macas and yeah. all that fun Fun fact, stuff. that's why we have chips in the hospital. Mm. Was So, you know, when the world went, no more chips for children anywhere, Um the cystic fibrosis community were like, ah, actually, we kind of need them. And yeah. so all of the nurses were very thankful. Yeah, I bet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. For the, the option to have chippies, hot chippies. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, so you so balancing that, how... Because how, it's, it's similar to that, because like you said, people can get um, diabetes secondary yeah. to cystic fibrosis and that having that relationship with food um, in that it is fuel rather yeah. than rather than not i guess does that does that change your it's fuel for us (laughs) yeah how did that change your relationship with food um i i quite like to eat well and you know um a lot of fruit and a lot of veggies and i don't really love takeaway or you know maccas and that kind of thing so I did struggle quite a bit because I never really wanted to eat some of that stuff, whereas yeah. that's what was good. For, and I have always been underweight. The dietitian always wanted me to put on weight, so I was always having um, all the supplement- ensure. Yeah, oh my Mm-mm. god, <laughs> and ensure. Yeah, oh, the, the best bane of my existence. Yeah, so so gross. Yeah, I hear you. Just- I remember I sat in a patient's room once. She's like, "I'm only gonna drink it if you drink it." And I was like, "Yeah." Yeah, sure, sure. <laughs> and they're just so thick. It's yeah. so thick. It's like the thickest so milk you can ever drink. I know. And the flavors I... are just that you know you can get chocolate, but it's not chocolate. It's not like yeah. a chocolate milk. No, it's not. It's like a fake <laughs> fake chocolate. medicine chocolate. Yeah. It's disgusting. It's, I used yeah. to give I... them away at school. I used to get <laughs> this banana flavor, and one of the boys at school used to love them, and I would give them. Oh my to gosh. Him. Here, take them. Take them. I'll pay take you. Take them off me. Yeah. And the dietitian's I, like, I'm giving you so many insures. Why aren't you putting on any weight? I'm I like, don't oh, know. I don't know. I'm drinking. I don't know. Uh, old mate Billy at school's putting on the KGs, <laughs> yeah. though. Not oh, gonna Billy, lie. Billy's mum is like, what's happening? Why? I give you fruit and veg. What's happening? Yeah. Why are you four sizes bigger? Yeah. Literally. <laughs> yeah. So that was always, yeah, lots of. That was always, you know, good as a teenager growing up. But um, as you know, you're an adult, you want to eat, try and eat a bit more well. So I would try and stick to the um, other high fat foods like avocado sure. and almonds mm, yep. and coconut yogurt and that sort of yeah. stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, find it in lesser high cholesterol foods yeah, rather than, yeah, yeah. they were finding as people with CF were living longer, they were mm. starting to have 
a lot of like heart disease and cholesterol issues because of yep. the high fat diet that they've lived yeah. on their mm. whole life. I mean, it makes sense, right? Yeah, like, yeah. I yeah. think, you know, when we, we weren't living that long, they weren't really worried. They were like, let's just get you through. Yeah. <laughs> the the first problem is you need fat and salt. Yeah. And we'll just, we'll figure it out later. And like you said, because lifespan of cystic fibrosis patients it used to be relatively young has expanded that you are now getting into years where that high cholesterol diet in your youth is depositing in your arteries yeah. like everyone else <laughs> yeah they're <laughs> like so, oh crap they're living longer we better like ah, change this we're gonna do something <laughs> well, well this is a new problem we yeah. fixed one and yeah. we've created another yeah classic exactly. Classic yeah. medicine for you. We'll only do the spot fire and not yes. think long term. That's never great. Holistic, never holistic. Never, never. It's all about holistic. Trying to be holistic as any person, let alone in medicine, is so difficult. Yeah. Um, so you were very lucky, as you said, um, in that you weren't very unwell <clears throat> during your youth. At what point did your cystic fibrosis start to decline? Yeah. I think as a um as an adult especially you know maybe when I started getting to like 18 and you're probably not looking after yourself as well because you're like partying and going out and drinking and all that kind of thing and then trying to manage like a full-time job as well um some of your treat you know we have to do um treatments for our lungs ideally twice a day and exercise to move all the mucus out of our lungs um, to try and prevent like bacteria being trapped. So that's something we have to do every single day, ideally twice a day. Um, we have different devices for it and it's basically just to get the mucus up and out of our lungs. So that starts to, you know, you're, you're busy as, a, as an 18-year-old. Yep. <laughs> you have different priorities. Yep. Totally. Um, I hear you. Yeah. Preaching to the choir. Yeah. Yep. We don't have time for a cough assist. That no. does not no. look cute no. on a weekend. Mm -mm, Absolutely honey. not. I just got um, in at 3am. What do you mean I have to get up and do physios? I know. If I do it, I'll spew. Yeah. yeah. yeah I paid so. a lot of money for those drinks last night and they're staying in. Thank <laughs> exactly. you. Exactly. So I think I would say that like I de my lung function probably dropped a bit then. Mm -hmm. um, and then, you know, you kind of mature a bit and you're like, all right, CF is pretty real for me. I need to yep. get on top of things. And after that, I've sort of always been really good at doing my physio and my treatments. Very religious with it. Get up first thing every morning and do it straight away just mm -hmm. to get it out of the way. Um, I was always like an early riser. I just get up and get it done and then it's done yep. for the day. Yeah. Um, but I think just, you know, probably from 18 to like 26 it just went through that normal gradual decline like it's always declining it's never going up yeah. um and then it started declining a little bit quicker <laughs> and I was kind of, <laughs> picked was, up the pace <laughs> yeah I was like oh yeah. god you know you get like a flu or a, a cold um and it declines you know a couple of percent mm -hmm. um and then you just don't seem to get those percent back and then yeah. in 2018, I got influenza A, so the mm. bird flu. Yeah. And it really took a turn. <laughs> it really got me. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I'd already been sick a couple of times that year as well. I think I was 
getting below like the 40% mark, uh, mm-hmm. 40% lung function. Yeah, sure. Wow. Yeah. So, you know, I, I would get a bit of a cold and it would just knock me for six. And mm-hmm. then I got, and I think that year I did um, IV antibiotics. So I had like three or four tune ups instead yeah, of yeah. just mm-hmm. the normal annual one. And that sort of made me realize, like, all right, where something's happening here. And yeah, then yeah. I got the influenza A bird flu mm. um, just a month before our wedding. <laughs> Oh my, oh my gosh. Just by chance. Oh um, so I was in the hospital for three weeks um, and my lung function dropped quite a bit, mm. um, about 15%, I think, looking wow. back. So I think I was right. down to like 30% or 25% or something. Um, and then I managed to pull through. Luckily. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you got a wedding to get to. I know. I'd, I'd <laughs> lost like quite a bit of weight as well from being in hospital and Naturally, being yeah. so unwell that I was quite mm. worried that my wedding dress wasn't going to fit. Mm. Um, and there wasn't time the to get it taken in. And our oh wedding was in Bali. So I was uh, like, am I even going to be able to travel? Am I even oh going to be out on the plane? Yeah. Oh my so, gosh. Um, anyway, I spoke to the team and I was, you know, on the mend, doing okay. I probably, I definitely wasn't 100%. I wasn't back to my normal self. I hadn't regained my lung function. Mm. Um, but we went over for the wedding and it was quite yeah, sure. like a busy trip (laughs) yeah um, one would expect a lot happening um and I we had the wedding and then the day after the wedding I was very unwell um I was like really feverish I just thought I was really hungover yeah sure (laughs) (laughs) I was like in the pool trying to get cool but I think I actually had a fever (laughs) um so we went over to (laughs) I was actually febrile, but I was actually really febrile, but I was just like, ah, oh, the pool the will dog. fix it. Yeah, I was like, I'll get in the pool, I'll be fine, whatever. Give and, me a mimosa. And, yeah, I, I, I did. I had another drink. It was, it was fine. <laughs> this will then fix it, I'm sure. We went to um, over to Noosa Limbongan for our honeymoon, Beautiful. and I just seemed to keep getting sicker. And mm. the Airbnb that we booked into there was like six or seven flights of stairs to get to it. Oh, God. No, I'm out already. No, I'm camping down here, babe. Oh, man. Sorry. It was hectic. There was no elevator. Um, so we're like, luckily there was um, a nice Indonesian guy to help us carry our luggage up. Oh, my God. Um, so we got there and I just said to Aiden, look, I'm, I'm going up and down these stairs once a day. So you need yep. to pick what we're doing <laughs> because I'm Make not going count. back up there. <laughs> so I would oh. go down the stairs and Aiden would go surfing and I would just sit at the cafe that was down the bottom of the stairs and have like Gosh. breakfast and a coffee and stuff. Yeah. And then he would come back, he would go up and get whatever I needed and have a shower or whatever. And then he'd come back down and then we'd go off for like adventures yeah. And then come back. Sometimes I would go up, have a shower for dinner and then come back down. But I was like, I can't, it was like, it was really hard every single yeah. day to go up those stairs. No, uh, at the best of times, sister, let alone when you've got <laughs> With lung function like 25% 30%. and you're yeah, hungover. It was, yeah, not it was, the one, doll. Oh, 
And then after a couple of days, we were supposed to have like a week there. After a couple of days, I just was like, I think, I think we need to go back to Australia mm. because yeah, I'm not I, well. How, so, how did you feel with that? Because that re- actually admitting that to yourself as someone who's unwell, when you're doing a thing that you've looked forward to for so long, that takes a lot of courage oh, to be like, yeah. I'm, we are not okay. Yeah. I think we need to pull the plug here and go back home. It was it was really upsetting because we just yeah. had the, our wedding and we were supposed to have this like beautiful week on this lovely island in our mm. accommodation and we actually couldn't change our flights. We just had to like rebook new flights and wow. yeah, I was like, oh, and you feel like a bit of a burden because yeah. it's all it's it, it's your it's not your fault, but it's your fault. Yeah, yeah, you're the reason. Yeah, 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 you're the reason you're leaving early and going back. And we'd be yeah. trying to find, like, um, there's no, like, pharmacy on Nusa Bongen. There's just, like, the mm. hospital. So we'd gone to the hospital to try and buy some, like, ibuprofen to get on yeah. top of yeah. the fevers. And we were just having, like, the air con on. And I was, I was not well. I was like, all yeah. right. I'm not well. Yeah, I get it. (laughs) These stairs are killing me. Like, it's probably time to go. Yeah. So I emailed, very lucky to be able to just email my team and just say, look, I need to, um, we're coming home early. I need IVs straight away. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And I got back and I did my lung function and it was 16%. Holy moly. For the the listeners, our our jaws just dropped to the floor. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. No wonder that, those flights of stairs were killing you. Yeah. Literally. Literally. Like literally. The most unwell I'd ever been in my life. Um, and I'm surprised that they didn't do like my oxygen levels because I think if they had have done my oxygen levels, I would have been on oxygen then. then. Yeah. Mm. Um, but they don't usually do that when you, you're in clinic. Um, yeah, sure. They just, you know, I went and got my line put, on, put in. They were like, I, and I was pretty usually pretty good at bouncing back. They were, you know, probably like still a bit of the flu, big couple yeah. of weeks in Bali. Yeah. Give you some IVs, you'll pop back up. Yeah. Um, and so I had the IVs um, and then I went back to work. Um, <laughs> because... We... And I carried on. <laughs> She's a gal after my oh, own heart. Oh, sister. Oh, of course you did. Because we were planning this, like, this trip around Australia. So I was like, I just need to go back to work for a couple more months. Got to get money, doll. Can't, then, can't be doing this 60% And then I'm not going to be working. So it'll be the best I've ever felt in my life, yeah. probably. I just need to get through, like... This... Probably. We just need to keep that 16%. Ooh, it? Oh, spicy. Yeah. yeah, it was a bit hectic. Look, looking back, looking I'm, back, <laughs> I'm not sure why I went back to work. I probably shouldn't have, and I don't know I, how I got. Th- I I literally would drag myself to work in the morning, mm. and I would be at work. And where I was working, I was working at a school, and it was quite a long distance to get to the bathroom if you oh, needed God. to go for a wee or something. So I would yeah. be sitting at my desk busting, but I would be like. I, ca- I cannot walk to the toilet right now. I won't like, make it back. I won't make honestly. And you weren't on oxygen at the time. No, I wasn't. I wasn't. Oh, I was just uh, the levels the at work would have been. <laughs> how did you concentrate? You would have been so hypoxic. How could you not? How was the brain fog? Surely wild. 
Probably. You just, as if she would know any different. She's like, like, sister, I'm a little bit more foggy. I think because the decline just kind of yeah. happened, you just get used to it. Like, yeah. I just got used to living like that. Mm. And then I thought, we were like, all right, we're going on this trip, like, rented out our house. Like, I love that you're that so stuff. committed to this trip. <laughs> we're going on this trip. So I don't committed. care. So committed. So committed. And I was like, I'm going to do a last round of antibiotics in hospital before we go on this trip so that I'm at nice. like peak health. Yeah, peak. <laughs> I am my best self. Peak. I want to be at peak health. I'm yep. just going to go in for a couple of weeks. And I got to the hospital. My mother-in-law dropped me off because Aiden had to still work and sort out some stuff. And they literally at the hospital put me straight on oxygen and I didn't come off. Wow. <laughs> They yeah. were like, oh, my God, how are you surviving? How are you, how are you standing yeah. right now? Oh, yeah. I don't know how I was. It, it was probably really bad for my lungs, to be honest, just like pushing through like I was trying to. But I feel like I was just like slowly declining and just getting used to it each time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, that's your norm, right? And yeah. so if you stopped every time you felt a little bit off, you wouldn't be doing anything. So Exactly. Your your norm is warped at the best I of times. I was still going to F forty five. Shut up. <laughs> Shut up. Literally was still going oh. to F forty five. Like probably not doing it well. Like I wasn't. Those... I was just kind of like if they would be like or oh, um, jumping squats, I would be like I'm just gonna squat. Yeah. For our international <laughs> listeners, F45 is like a high-intensity workout circuit group. Um, it's like one of the most intense workouts that you can get. Um, and Jackie was just casually doing them with 16% lung function. I don't, it was what? probably really bad. It was probably worse for me. I mean, <laughs> to be honest. hindsight is 2020 vision. And yeah. that is probably was a bad choice. Yeah, such a bad choice. But I was like, if I just keep going, like I might feel better. Yeah. No. 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 That's not how that just works. No. Worse and worse. No. Yeah. 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 So you were put on oxygen and then yeah. were you discharged from the hospital after your two weeks? Like, or did you just stay? They ended you- up um, getting me to stay for three weeks mm-hmm. and they brought over the transplant team. And that's when they first spoke to us very seriously about transplant um, mm-hmm. and that I, they would like me to have a transplant as soon as possible. They wanted me to go on the transplant list straight away. Yeah. So we went from like living our best, ah, uh, look, I wasn't living my best life, but we, you, 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 were, you were planning to, sis. you were planning yeah, yeah. Australia we wide trip to live our best know? life because mm-hmm. yeah. I was like, you know what, you know, I've never not worked a bit of sunshine, like helped mm. you life beautiful it, yeah it'll be great for me so yeah. we were like well we're not ready for a transplant we yeah. want to go on this trip yeah and they were kind and of your like, doctors were like what <laughs> <laughs> yeah look they weren't pleased about uh, yeah. it but sure. they also understood that usually a cf patient would have like a year to prepare for transplant They would be told a year in advance that, look, your lungs aren't doing that well. We're Mm -hmm. envisioning that in a year's time you're going to need a transplant. And I had just missed that whole memo. 
Yeah, you do <laughs> one, two, skip a few. Yeah. 99 lung transplant. Yeah, yeah. here we are. Yeah. yeah. So they un- the transplant team understood that it's not a decision you make overnight. Like you have to commit 100% to transplant and you have to be ready for it. Yeah, so they sure. they like, look, okay, if that's what you want to do, go on your trip. Don't go too far. Yeah. Stay in contact. Stay with close. Us. Yeah. Yeah. So in Wi-Fi. We went on our trip with oxygen and a BiPAP machine and the dog. Like we only had one dog at that point. The dog and we toddled off in our camper trailer. Wow. And we did um, eight months and we got as far north as Broome. Um, I'm, yeah. I'm like my mind is just blown. <laughs> Reckless, sis. Oh my this is God. wild. The fact that you were like, yeah, took oxygen, hey, took a bypass this machine. This is a very like practical question. Where did you replace your cylinders? I was very lucky. <laughs> CFWA, so cystic fibrosis WA, had one oxygen concentrator that they lent out. <gasps> wow. And I was very, very, very lucky to be able to be given that because they're worth about Four thousand, yeah. they're yes. expensive. Um, I think they're up to six grand now. I just spoke oh, to someone recently. Wow, yeah. Okay. Wow. So we were very lucky, very grateful to have that um, for mm. free, f- totally free. Yeah. Amazing um, work. And that got us through. So, so we how... would just have to charge that with yeah. solar yeah, sure. power. It's noisy, Stop but it. hey, they're yeah. quite noisy. Very the fact nice. that she just said she charged it up with solar paddle. Yeah, I my just... husband has PTSD of like beeping because oh the solar would start beeping sometimes in the middle of the night and it's like there wasn't enough power. Power. So we the would stress. be like, I'm getting sweaty. We last overnight. <laughs> I'm sweaty thinking about that. Poor Aiden. Poor Aiden. Oh, oh, he would Aiden. be like chasing the sun around with the solar panel during the day. <laughs> Just like one of those old ladies with the like reflectors, like this. Yeah. Place, like, Get the sun. Yeah. Quick. It was um. It was a good time. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> but ha- that's a lot. I I'm actually. So had you had you put yourself on the donation wait list and then taken off, or you hadn't even put yourself no, down? No, because you have to be within three hours. Yeah, 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 sure. So yeah, we were sure. like, no, we're not going to go on the list. Um, we're going to go on our trip and maybe we'll improve. We'll talk about it when we get back because vitamin yeah. D is going to fix everything. Me. Yeah. <laughs> um, That's, so that was my – I was like clinging on to whatever I could cling on to. I was good like, intentions. I'd, transplant was my last resort so I was like we need to try this first and we were very good about it we did telehealth the whole way up the coast um we had emergency medication halfway through the trip we had a wedding to fly back to so while we were in Perth I did another two weeks of IV antibiotics um sure we knew straight away if anything went pear-shaped we would drive yeah so you weren't going out recklessly you were just you were fulfilling a, a want that you both had yeah. in the safest way possible, yeah. which most people would have gone too hard. I'll yeah. stay in Perth. We were like, no, so, we'll, we'll give it a go. It's fine. <laughs> what a story. What stories you've got. It's yeah. so, so fun. Yeah. So, but, so you've gone, like in that space of time, you've gone from relatively okay managing to now having Dying. a very physical, <laughs> uh, yeah, having a very physical tell Yep. that you're unwell right yeah and you know for for those of you who who don't know 
having oxygen 24-7, you have to wear it all the time. Yeah. And you can become very reliant on it also in that if you take it off or don't have it, you become unwell during yeah. that time. Yeah. How did you psychologically because that's that's a physical change in you and like with cystic fibrosis with like similar to Jess and I is that our conditions are invisible in inverted commas so you can't necessarily tell we're unwell unless we tell you or we are in a flare etc how did you deal with that physical change of you know that's a physical show that you're unwell yeah. And you know, you're you're a newly married couple yeah. and you've got to navigate a space of having, you know, what's what's looked at as like an old person, you know, yeah. oxygen. How did you how did you navigate that? There were a lot of confused people at the supermarket. Like <laughs> I still looked really well and especially when we were in Broome, like I was really tan mm. and like just looked like an, av- you know, an average healthy person. Mm. Yet I was carrying around oxygen and had oxygen tubing on my face. And there was a lot of people that would like double take because yeah. I think they were just so confused at seeing someone so well. Mm, surface level well yeah yeah. I had a lot of anxiety like I'd never really struggled with anxiety in my life until Mm. I was wearing oxygen and I would have a lot of social anxiety of you know and some days I just couldn't deal with people staring at me and I would just Mm. be like I don't want to go into the shop today Mm -hmm. yeah because I just can't deal with it and then some days I would just be like you know what fuck it like yeah. yeah, they can stare. I don't care. Yeah. and I would just yeah. like stare back. <laughs> yeah, yes. Yeah, Problem. yeah, yeah. And like some days I didn't care, and I would just like wear my oxygen with pride and be like, whatever, mm. it's fine. And but yeah, some days I just would not go into the shop, not go anywhere if there was um, a lot of the time if there was going to be new people, like if we were going to a gathering at someone's house. And there was going to be new people there that I hadn't met before that Mm. didn't know me and know I wore oxygen or know why. I would Mm. have a lot of social anxiety. And on a few occasions, I decided not to go because I was so anxious about seeing someone new and having to have that conversation about the oxygen and and why and blah, Mm. blah, blah. So, yeah, Mm. it it was a lot of anxiety. Yeah, and because you're also trying to deal with it yourself at the same time. Oh, like yeah. this hasn't been a, a lifelong thing. You're trying to process it and then you've also got to then help other people process it as well. Yeah. Like, you're yeah. like, just let me deal with it first and yeah. then I'll tell you yeah, all about it. Yeah, like you it. said, you never had the prep time. It was like, here no. we are. Yeah, Let's, ripped that yeah. band-aid yeah. straight off. This is what's happening now. <laughs> yeah, jumped in the deep end. Yeah. Yeah. So then after your eight months, so you came back for the wedding, you went back out, you kept traveling. And then after the eight months, what made you decide right now is the time I need to go on the wait list? So we still didn't go on the wait list. <laughs> <laughs> cool. So at that, so while we were away on the trip, we, we got wind of this new miracle drug that was coming out. And mm-hmm. I'd always been lucky enough to be on or can be, which was... Um, so for the listeners, there, <laughs> there's, there is this, these modulators, they're called, and they address the um, underlying cause of CF rather than just treating the symptoms. So it sort of corrects what's wrong in, at a cellular level. And they're, yeah, they're life-changing. Mm. And so Orcambi was one of the 
um, most recent ones and that was amazing and I was lucky enough to be on that for about six or seven years um, wow. and that just really stabilised me and, and kept me well for so long. I was so lucky to be as well as I was mm. um, until the flu. <laughs> yeah, um, um, and then we got wind of a new version called Trichafta and I thought and, you know, I'd been reading about, you know, people that were taking it um, in America and all the trials that were happening and um, the results people were having and I started um, contacting and messaging people that had been taking it and seeing what their results had been like um, and someone I got in contact had said that he, that he was living in Australia and he said that he had already started it and I was like oh why how how yeah why haven't I yeah why has no one told me about it basically just emailed the team and just kept emailing them Mm, (laughs) saying why isn't it here why why can't I take it um because there were people taking it via compassionate access that's the only way that these people that were already taking it were taking it right like surely I'm eligible for compassionate access I'm on oxygen I need a transplant yeah um when can we apply for this and they mm. they were a bit like oh we haven't heard anything about it yet um blah, blah, blah. so I just emailed a lot and was like sure I need this self-advocating I know, yeah I know people are taking it in Australia mm. how come we don't have it yet in WA mm. blah 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 and it took about um three months for them to actually get back to me and say we've put in an application for you Um, and then it took another few months for the application to get approved so there was a lot of so by this time we were home so by then it was like December 2019 yeah um so there were a lot of tears during this time a lot of frustration yeah this new drug that people were having like lung function was going up like 20 percent um yeah i was like this is my ticket like i'm gonna get mm. off oxygen i want yeah, to train yeah. plant blah 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 so finally got approved and then it probably took another month for me to be able to start taking it so we went yeah. to perth and um i was the first person in wa to take it via compassionate access Wow. Yeah. And in the meantime, I'm like messaging all my friends, like, you need to start emailing the team. Yeah. Get on it. Get on it. Yeah. Um, Blah, blah, blah. So finally got to start taking it. Um, And it did help, but I think my lung damage was just too far gone to be repaired. Yeah. um, That it just didn't give us what we were hoping for. Um, yeah, I definitely had an improve in energy. Um, I was stable. Um, I probably had a lung function increase of a little bit. Yeah, sure. Um, but not enough to come off oxygen, not enough to not need a transplant anymore. So we, yeah. we gave it six months. I said, you know, I want to give it six months to work. Fair crack. To see if yeah. it changes anything um we just need to give it some time and then after the six month point I we you know we talked about it a lot and we kind of went all right I think we're at the point where (laughs) yeah yeah we'd sort of put off transplant for like 18 months (laughs) yeah and I'd stayed well enough during that time that they weren't too worried you know if it got to a point where they said no you're coming out that you know with transplant there's this beautiful little window 
yeah. um, where you're you're sick enough that you need a transplant, but you're well enough that you're going to do really well. Yeah, yeah, um, that you can the tolerate recovery. it. Yeah. yeah, so I was still in that window um, and we just kind of decided um, in September 2020 that it was it was time to go on the list. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And what a, what a tough decision also because yeah. that's not even saying, okay, yep, I'm on and then I'll come in tomorrow and yeah. then we'll do it. Yeah, it's it's uh, that living <laughs> and waiting and having your phone on all the time yeah. and not n- unable to plan anything, unable to travel. Una- like it's, it's a huge yeah. life decision. Our life and is it's, just like on hold. Yeah. 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 And for a newly married couple, like a young couple, that's a big decision. Yeah. How how long were you on the list for and how did you feel in that period of time? I was really, we were really, really lucky. I was only on the wait list for 52 days. Wow. So it was very quick. Um, yeah. I'm like, uh, I'm a tall person. So I'm like, could accept a lot of si- like average sized lungs. Yeah, yeah sure. Um, I'm not petite, which would mean you would be waiting for like child's lungs, which could take yeah. a lot yeah. longer. I'm average size, average lung size. My blood type was really average. Like everything yeah. was just, I had no Really good bodies. to be average. Yes, yeah, <laughs> yeah. like yeah. so good to be average. So, so average. I could accept a lot of, a lot of lungs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that really helped. Um, but yeah, that... 52 days even though it was only 52 days it was a really Still hard a time, time a really yeah. hard time um and for Aiden as well he he surfs and he couldn't go surfing that whole time which is yeah. like such a release for him to be in the yeah. ocean and to go and do something for himself mm-hmm. yeah um and because where he surfs is out of range like he couldn't just go off surfing because I wouldn't be able to contact him and say, yeah, we need we've a... got the call. Yeah, yeah. And because yeah. Bustleton, where we live, is already two and a half hours from Perth, yeah. we couldn't go any further south because it would yeah. just be too long to get to Perth. We were lucky to stay in Bustleton during yeah. that wait time. A lot of people have to relocate to Perth. Um, yeah. We did miss a really close friend's wedding because it was too far away um, that we, you know, we couldn't travel there. Yeah. Um, our life, yeah, was just kind of in limbo, on on hold. Every time I called Aiden, he would be like, yes. I'd be like, oh, yeah. no, sorry, just calling to say hey. Say hi. <laughs> hey. How's your you? day, doll? Yeah, yeah. And so, um, I felt really, like, isolated. Yeah. Um, we just got back from the trip, so we only had um, one car at that point. Um, so I was just sort of stuck at home while Aiden would be at work. Um, he bought me a bike, but I was too too anxious to go out riding the bike. By my, it had a basket, so I could put my oxygen in the basket. <laughs> but I was just far too. Oh, cute! <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we would go for bike rides to keep my legs strong and that sort of thing. Um, but I was too anxious to go anywhere on my own. And I got really, really dependent on Aiden. I would be scared to go anywhere yeah. with anyone that wasn't him because I would have to ask for help or um, take my oxygen charger or um, often um, he would carry my oxygen for me because it's like three kilos and you're already yeah. like really exhausted and trying to breathe. Yeah. Um, so it was a really hard time, yeah, to to get through. 
but very yeah. grateful it was only 52 days. I don't think I could have done it any longer. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, because what, what's the criteria for, for those who are unaware of being on the wait list? Are you saying that you can't go far further than Bustleton, et cetera? But what was the criteria that you had to do or live by for those 52 days? You also can't drink. <laughs> wow. Yeah. <laughs> can't have any, anything to drink because mm-hmm. you can't be under, they can't put you under anesthetic if you're, if you're yeah. under the influence. Yeah. Um, so that was, and like, I hate that that was hard about it as well, but that was really hard. Like we're quite social people mm. Um, mm. and going out to places and stuff and everyone would be drinking and I, I couldn't. Yeah. And yeah. I feel like when you're choosing not to drink is a bit different, but when you, yeah. like, you can't, totally yeah. can't. Yeah. Yeah. So that was really hard as well. But I think that was really the only criteria. Like, you just had to be within three hours, have your phone on all the time, answer any calls, obviously. Yeah. It was, yeah, really hard. And what was it like when you did get the call? Oh, wild. <laughs> um, yeah. it was in the middle of the night so um we'd gone to bed and I got woken up by the call and I missed the first call because I was sleeping with a BiPAP machine on so it yeah. was all like I had to unplug it all and take it off yeah. and yeah. then they don't just ring someone else they yeah. keep they try <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. They, try. They, keep, they keep ringing you um, yeah. until you answer so they rang again and I answered the phone and um they said that there was um they were looking at some lungs for me um and they always ring two people so they ring someone that's the first choice mm-hmm. and then that's the best match and then they ring have a second match as well in case and they bring both to the hospital um just in case it falls through with the first person like something goes wrong then they can use the lungs or the organ for the second person yeah so they said I was priority so I was number one Mm -hmm. psychologically Um, being number two would be so hard if you didn't get it and then it's sent home like oh nearly there but not even as the first one though knowing that and you feel would feel awful for the second person too to have to go through that whole thing that they only once it's happened, but once someone has gone under anaesthetic and woken up without new the lungs. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That would be yeah. so hard because they never know it's going to, they don't know it's going to go ahead until the really last moment. Like you're mm. laying on the bed and they're mm-hmm. like, all right, it's, it's all go now. Yeah, it's happening. Yeah, yeah green yeah, light. And, and the timing is insane. Yeah. Like, obviously, I'm an ICU nurse, so that's like what I do. It's a huge part of my job. So but you do the other end. I do the other end of like timing and perfusing organs to keep them ready to donate to someone else and like the timing, like having everyone lined up in theatre, all the medications ready to go, have, you know, yeah. family members say goodbye, like all, like everyone there from the start to the end. It's like yeah. so stressful, incredibly rewarding, but it's pretty Very full on. Yeah, it would be so and stressful to, working in that environment. Like. Yeah. To state the obvious, in order to receive um, an organ donation, someone has to pass away. Yeah. And so but but they have, have to, to pass away in a very specific way yeah. in that everything is perfused, that everything is under control, that it's oxygenated, and that there's a set amount of time that you can take that organ from the deceased person, yeah. transport it. So it is, it's a very... You know, it's like and 1% movies. Of deaths. 
Yeah, it's yeah, it's insane. There's like two options. So you can either be brain dead, so you've had a catastrophic brain injury and you're brain dead, but your heart is still pumping. So because your heart's still pumping, we can give drugs to support your heart and continue to support your other organs, and that's a death after a brain death. And you've got time. You've got time with that. But some families struggle because the heart's still going culturally. Some people believe well they must be still going mm. even though they have they have died Um, and then if you have a death after a circulatory death so when your heart stops like a cardiac death you have 20 minutes to be in theatre yeah so that 20 minutes to be in theatre so to tee that up again you have to know that that's the way things are going and progressing and you have to have all those donation talks all your matches ready to go and as a team you just if the family would like to wait for the heart to stop you wait and then you're in within 20 minutes. And I think I've done that once. Wow. So it's full on. So normally it's a brain death and we have time and we, yeah. as the ICU team, we keep the organs going. But it's it's hard. It's really hard for families because their child or their their, their loved family one. member, their loved one, their partner, their yeah. any, they're, they're still there. And yeah. so it's this but like, when do you there. say goodbye? But they're not there. Um, and then obviously receiving transplants on the other end of it too. It's amazing. But again, you, you can tell us from a, 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 first, a, person. a first person, but like the stress of trying to refuse that organ yeah. for that person so that they can have the best chance of recovery is pretty full on. Yeah. But how, how, how was it for you? Like, tell us about getting the lungs. Yeah. So that was amazing. Every day is like a blessing um, to be here and and to be breathing you know the first time that I took a breath without oxygen um, that was just yeah I I cried I um it had been a couple of days because straight like after you're not just breathing normal air you're on like high flow oxygen to keep the the lungs um everything open open and yeah yeah and then you're on like normal oxygen for for a few hours or a few days depending how you're going so I was just, you know, chatting away with my oxygen on after my transplant. Um, I think it was three days later or two days later. Far out, and, that's so um, cool. Yeah, it was wild. And then um, and my sister and my mum were there and then the nurse just randomly said like, oh, Jackie, your your oxygen has is, is off. And I was like, oh. Yeah. <gasps> what do you mean? <laughs> yeah, and I'd had oxygen for over 18 months. So I'd been living, like surviving off oxygen for so long. Yeah. Um, And I just started crying. And there's a video of it on my Instagram. And she's like, I said, how long has it been off for? And she said, about 15 minutes. And then I'm just like trying to take it off. and Get it oh, off, mate. Yeah. Just, oh, I got goosebumps. Mm. It was really special. And my sister got it all on um, video as well. My husband oh. is devastated that he wasn't there for that moment. Oh, yeah, I You bet. could only have like two people in ICU at yeah. a time. So everyone yep. would just like take turns coming in throughout the day. Um, but yeah, very grateful that it's on video and so, yeah. so great that my, my mum and my sister were there to witness it as well. Yeah, yeah. so beautiful. But, yeah. but the first, yeah, when I first woke up... Um, I didn't sleep that night. I think I was just so pumped. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> that like I made it through and that we were like alive and that I had new lungs. And I just, yeah. I remember like 
taking a selfie and a photo of the sunrise and being like, wow, this is like our the, our first sunrise together. Me and I yeah. call them my lung babies. Doing this together now. Try not to think that I have someone else's mm. lungs. Yeah. Because that just freaks me out. Yeah. It's just such a, a wild thought and just mm-hmm. so, so yeah. strange. And it just perplexes me. Um, and, you know, to... I'm so grateful for for that person and for their family and so lucky every single day. And I always feel like my donor angel is with me in in little things that happen. Yeah. Um, Mm -hmm. But yeah, it is, it's upsetting that someone has to die so that you can continue living. To live. Yeah. But I think that, like you said, there is something so beautiful in that. And I think, um, you know, and that concept as well is very strange in an, I've had similar feelings around it in that I have um, a mechanical heart valve and, um, you know, aortic replacement. So it's not mine. It's it's no longer mine. Mine got taken away. And even though my previous ones were defective or not working, it's still mine. And it's like, it's this concept of something foreign is in you now and you're reliant upon that and it's this concept of you it's no longer you and you you've you've taken that off now and you you're on that slope of well if yours doesn't work and this replacement doesn't work then you're in this space of um I don't have mine anymore, so yeah. we can't just put we it can't back. just go back to that one. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's 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 a weird concept, and and you know, mine mine's mechanical, and people somehow some people have pig valves, cow yeah. valves, whatever. So it's not an entire another person's, but it, it's not yours. And yeah. it, it, if you get caught in that mindset, it can become quite um, uncomfortable yeah. to think of. Yeah. But it's maintaining that positive of the joy and the yeah. ability that that's bringing you is yeah. like where you kind of have to sit. Um, and I think that's so beautiful that you call them your lung babies, but <laughs> the, the concept of like, that's a new beginning for you yeah. and your life um, is a really beautiful moment. Do you celebrate that day every yeah, well, year? We've only had it once. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. So it's only been, um, I think it's been like, 18 19 months now maybe 20 I had a like 30th long anniversary three-year wedding anniversary party combo <laughs> love that all love celebrate that. all of the things yeah so yeah. We, yeah we really celebrated um and that was it was really fun and um there I have like this special beach that I like to go to at home because um I went there one day and I'd had a bit of a tough day at work and I was taking the dogs for a walk. And when I got there, there was a Donate Life bracelet just sitting on the stairs. Aww. And I was like, what are the chances? And it just what really felt like chances? a bit of a sign from my yeah. donor angel that yeah. Yeah. things are okay and that maybe they were with me. Um, yeah. So I like to go to that beach to celebrate. So we did that um, last year. We went there and we just had a drink together and cheers to my donor angel and my donor family. Um, and yeah, I would like to try and go. We try and go there every year. That's so beautiful. And are you able to write to your donor family? Yeah. Like I know you can write through to Donate Life and then yeah. they, yeah. So do they still, do you still keep in contact? 
So I haven't written yet. Yeah. That's <laughs> so you okay. Can, That's you okay. can write after a year. Um, yeah. But I started and then I stopped and then I started again and then mm-hmm. I stopped. And yeah. It's really hard to know, like, is it going to be the only letter you ever write them? Like, yeah. Yeah. Are they gonna what do wanna, you say? Yeah. Will they want to write back? Will they even want the letter? And, and yeah. how do you put your happiness and your gratefulness and, into and words, how amazing hey. like your life is now into words? And how do you thank yeah. them for making that decision during their hardest moments yeah to give someone else life yeah yeah it's I haven't written to them yet (laughs) then that that you know and that's such a hard like you said it's 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 a hard letter to write yeah um how do you how do you do that how do you equate the gratefulness and the opportunity that that decision has given you um into words that it's going to be received in the way that you want it to be received and to portray what you want it to portray and so that letter is probably going to be the most difficult document you have ever written in your life if you write it yeah and it's just it's a it's an incredible it's an incredible connection to have with anyone in the world and only a few will understand that feeling and that relationship and that connection um and it's 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 just a remarkable a remarkable moment in both your life and your donor family's life and it's just you know what a wonderful knowledge to know that the passing of a loved one has created a life or continued a life in someone else. I just think that's just it's beautiful. So special. And like you said, like it's not even been two years since you've had these lungs. Like you have so much processing to do yourself in that year. How can you process it and then be able to let someone else in? Like you've literally gone in the last 18 months from almost dying to living and living well. And yeah. how how do you process that and then thank someone who's grieving and not feel like there'd, there'd be a bit of you that feels like, oh, like, is this the right thing? You'd feel yeah. almost guilty, don't you? Yeah. It's, yeah, it's amazing. It's, it's so much. But like, how how did you process that? Are you still processing it every day? Some days yeah. you wake up and think this isn't real. Like, Yeah, yeah. Um, I think that the 12 months after my transplant were the hardest 12 months of my life. I feel like I was sick for so long. You're sick your whole life. You have CF, you have this um, connection to the CF community and CF friends, mm. all that sort of stuff. You're, you've coughed your whole life. Yeah. That sort of was such a big part of who you are and what you are. Yeah. And then you get really sick and you deal with that for so long. And then you finally have a transplant and that's like a whirlwind. And then you, mm-hmm. you do your like transplant recovery physically and then yep. you just get to this point where, like, all the physical stuff is over. Physically, you're really well. Mm. And it all just kind of comes crashing down because you're finally, like, well enough to maybe deal with all the mental shit that mm-hmm. you've yeah. through. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. you're no longer in this fight or flight. Yeah. Got to get through this problem. Yeah. And I just, like, I went back to work and life just went on. And I was kind yeah. of like what the fuck just happened <laughs> yeah. yeah 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 like yeah. whiplash yeah, yeah it was it was really hectic and that it probably took so 
um, I, we moved back to Bustle. So we had to live in Perth for three months after the mm-hmm. transplant for recovery yeah. and stuff. We moved back and then I went back to work in like April. And that's fucking crazy. Not full time, I'm thankfully. Sorry. Just like a couple of days. Oh, a just week. a couple of it's days. Fine. Yeah, and and I I am a youth worker by trade, so I was dealing with these families and these adolescents and it was really difficult because I'd just gone through all this shit. I really struggled with that Um, and then I was dealing with all my own stuff as well. Like I had never been so, and I used depressed and anxious, I'd never been... I'd never felt like that in my life, even when I was at my sickest points yeah. and I was just so lost and I felt like I had no identity because I was now well and I didn't feel as connected to the CF community anymore because I couldn't relate with the not being able to breathe and all the yeah. coughing and the mucus um, and I don't have to have those stupid drinks anymore and yeah. you know, I just felt so disconnected from who I was I didn't feel like my story was still relevant sure but I think it's also important for the listeners to know whilst you do have new lungs we can't cure CF yeah so we are still Jackie with CF and you are still very much connected to that community but I get that feeling of you were so heavily deeply involved because it started to consume your whole life that now that's a part of Jackie but it's not all of Jackie all of Jackie and I've had to come to terms with that over the last 12 to 18 months yeah that I'm still me but in a better version um and I now have to relate in different ways yeah absolutely and we just had to like process all the all the trauma and like grieve grieve Sydney you know we both Aiden even Aiden had a lot to do with as well having gone through all of this like yep um, he didn't grow up with it his whole life or know anyone that had CF or know anyone that was sick. So this mm. is like a whole new experience for him and it came on quite suddenly in our time yeah. together. Um, yeah. So we both went to therapy. <laughs> Good. And Great. And that helped a lot. Then we threw in our jobs and decided to go on this trip. <laughs> it's just so amazing. And it is also huge to know that also just because you have new lungs, like that with that comes responsibility too. Like that's a lifetime of medication for, yeah. for your lungs. So yeah. it's important that we highlight, we don't want you to reject these lungs. So in doing that, you have to immunosuppress yourself by taking yeah. medication every day. And so it is, it's a long-term responsibility. I mean, Absolutely. especially in this, the society that we're in now, like global pandemic, yeah you know, high infectivity of COVID, you know, you have a beautiful new set of lungs that you're trying to manage and this illness, much like the bird flu that took you down a couple of pegs at the beginning of your health journey or decline, you know, it's a scary time to also kind of be existing in, let alone being immunosuppressed and having to navigate that. So, you know, it's not in any way the lung transplant was a, you know, that was really tough, Fixed. but it's fixed everything. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, that's not it at all. Um, and I You're think that's also like one set of medical issues for another set of medical issues. It's just yeah, how totally. I can breathe a lot better. <laughs> exactly. And it, it's, it's not, it's not a one stop shop in that it's fixed everything. No. And I think that's also something that we would, we would want as our podcast to, to, educate our community on is that you know that's not a 
it's not green light for life now that's not gotten rid of everything you still have to navigate that space and that's a lot to deal with yeah Um, definitely and I think also because again like Jess was saying around the the psychology around it in that you do feel better so you you hold that guilt of okay I should I feel like I can breathe so I should be living this life but then I've also got to do this and navigate this and medicate this and you know all of that space of comparison you're comparing to your old self your new self you know all of the in between it's not an easy juggle and taking that time back to like someone died so you can live like you better live your best life and do yeah do that yeah and just make the most of everything and you feel that's a lot it's a lot guilty in those first 12 months because I was so sad and like grieving and yeah um just not wanting to go out and live and do this and do that and just you know trying to get through each day and yeah. then you felt so guilty because mm. you weren't out there living your best life. Climbing yeah. Kilimanjaro and yeah. doing yeah. all of the things. Exactly. Yeah. And it's it's kind of like you're slapped in the face every day in that you're forced to just have this personal growth all the time. You're forced to deal with it. It's in your face all the time. Like, should yeah. I be living? Am I not living enough? How do I feel about this? You reevaluate everything and you're just forced to grow. And sometimes you're like, oh my God, I just need to stop and process. And it's, it's so hard because it's in your face every day. You wake mm. up and you're like, right. I'm here. I'm here, here again. Yeah. Here yeah. I am. Yeah. Better do all of the things. Yeah. 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 But but speaking of that, what are you doing at the moment? Like, why are you up in Exmouth? What What's this stage of your life? Where to next for Jackie? Yeah. Well. What's so happening, Jackie? We, um, we, Aiden wasn't enjoying his job either. I wasn't enjoying my job. We were both just in this slump, which mm. probably had to do with everything we'd just been through. <laughs> Yeah, um, yep, and quite valid. Yeah, processing all of that. So we threw in our jobs and we decided to go travelling again because, you know, we'd given it a go but we were on oxygen and we had all yep. these, um, you know, things we had to think about. So we thought let's try it again mm. um, and do it better this time and this time try and get around the whole of Australia. We are currently in Exmouth living and working. We're living with some friends working at like the local IGA. So I get yeah. to chat to all the like holidayers and talk to people and yeah, yeah, it's really nice. I like got to do snorkeling again because I got really um, oh. like obviously not being able to breathe. I mean, a really bad fear of the ocean and putting my head under the water. Yeah, yeah, that yeah, kind yeah, of yeah. Thing. yeah. So we've slowly like got back into snorkeling and now I can so snorkel beautiful. without a- holding Aiden's hand. <laughs> Yay. And I can dive down with my snorkel. Like, ah. so, yeah, so just like little steps and little things. And yeah. um, I really wanted to get comfy in the ocean again. So we're doing lots of that. I just, I honestly, and I, this is going to come out super stalkerish now, but I've been, uh, I've been watching you. Um, <laughs> I've, I've I've followed your journey since um, just before you had your lung transplant on Instagram and I have marveled in how your grace and humility of dealing with your health journey um, has been portrayed through your social media account and I think that you have done such an excellent job in navigating the space of the balance of life and I think you have only highlighted that 
our lives are beautiful, but they're as beautiful as we make them. And I honestly have so much joy watching you and Aiden and your puppies just having a ball up there and just enjoying the life that you're creating and I think it's just so beautiful and you should be so proud of yourself um and if no one's told you you're amazing um and I think you know we can get really caught up in no sorry but I think we can get really caught up in that fight or flight you know you've got to get better you've got to get well but I think you're just doing you in such a beautiful way um, and navigating your space and the space that you take up in this world. Um, and I think it's beautiful. And you're doing yourself and your lung babies so much justice. And I just think it's wonderful that you're sharing it with the world. Um, and I just, I, I thought you were amazing, but just chatting with you on the podcast now has just been so wonderful. Oh. And you're such a beautiful light of a person. <sighs> Thank you. That's so nice. Oh. I don't really know what to say. It's <laughs> you. just, you're yeah. welcome. You're so welcome. I'd like thank you so much. <laughs> oh. <laughs> well, thank you so much for sharing your story because, you know, we know as the best of people that our journeys can be very traumatic and just talking about them can, can bring up, you know, yes. some medical trauma, PTSD. So, post this conversation I would hope that you check in with yourself as we both will with ourselves because it can be you know it can bring up things that we thought were okay with and and then catches us off guard so um I thank you and acknowledge that this may have been a difficult conversation at some points um and I'm just really thankful that you shared it with us Thank you I'm so glad you wanted me on Of course <laughs> it was so nice to meet you guys like kind of face to face I know it, it, it just feels so nice to like uh, that's a, a day like today is like why Shan and I do this like yeah. it's so special to spread other people's stories it's so cool for us to connect with other like-minded people who have the same values and similar experiences like you know that is the power of social media and, and the positives that we're talking about earlier we're so lucky we get to do this and yeah, it's just been, it's been very humbling for Sean and I and it's so cool to see from the other side. We're so used to being the health professionals. It's so cool to see someone living and living so well and we're very grateful that you came on today. Yeah. Oh, thank you so much. Well, the, the stage is now yours, sister. Before we go on to our final segment, is there any messages or any points that you would like for our community to know about cystic fibrosis or about, you know, donation or what's, what's a, what's a leave, a leaving take home, message, take home thank you sister, I was I like, what is the word, <laughs> what is a take home message that you would like our listeners to take home with them after listening to your conversation with us today? Yeah, I think um, that uh, one of the most important things is please register to be an organ donor. Um, yes, I'll put the link in our little description so people can click on it straight away. I am. Yay, thank <laughs> I you. Am. I'm in, I am in two countries, both two here countries. and the UK. Yep. Oh, but wow. Will you meet a lot of criteria with your People Marfans? will not want them. I'm going to say I don't think they're going to want much of what you've got going on, doll. <laughs> I'm like, you can take whatever you want, but your I'm eyes, just telling you eyes. now, it's dodgy. They're, they're Even their shit, they're, <laughs> they're, take the skin if you want. It's slightly elastic. Uh, yeah, look, yeah. 
it's a free for all. Take whatever you want, but I, the, the quality will be any good. The quality is questionable, but um, yeah, I'm a donor in both Australia and the UK. Yeah, yeah, good. But yeah, well carry done. on. And Thank it you. only takes it takes less than a minute. It's so easy, mm-hmm. and we're coming up to um, Donate Life Week. So what better time to do it? Yes, um, and you can and you do change people's lives. So. There's Point that. in case, you. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, this is the final segment of the day. So um, Questions and Quotes gives an opportunity for you to ask us any questions that you have. And then um, at the end, you can just give us a little quote that kind of gets you through that you'd like to share with the listeners. So what's your question for us? Um, what was the moment that you guys decided you wanted to do a podcast together? Well, yeah, it wasn't going to be a podcast. It was going to be a book. Um, but I am not very good at reading slash if I have some spare time, I'm not going to read and I am dyslexic. So, you know, reading is not the one for me. And then we talk a lot and we both come from quite a theatrical background. Like we're both the drama nerds at school. Like I'm the musical theater freak. Like, so we thought, well, we can talk. So why not? Podcasts were quite up and coming. Yeah. I was listening to a couple, but not many. And we just thought maybe that's the way we should go because I love you, but you're going to be, she's already on my back. I can't even set this shit up. Imagine if she was like, <laughs> have you finished a chapter for the book doll? Oh, I would have been yeah. like, no. Nah. honestly like pulling a dead weight sometimes. No, I haven't. She just rocks up. I'm just here for the lols. But <laughs> so that's kind of how Did she at it least fell into this. No. <laughs> I do. I, I don't coffee she takes me she's like do you want a coffee and I was like no I'm good doll she sometimes feeds me I sometimes feed her do you have a quote for the people Jackie I do um I was a little bit stressed about this part of it I was like oh my god I have to think of a quote and it has to be really good (laughs) oh and I was like oh trying to think of one and look for one that I like and you know what I did I came back to my roots good um there's a quote that I've always loved Um, And I still love today. And it's life isn't a dress rehearsal. Reminds you that this is just a once off. We're not doing this twice. We're not coming back. We just do it the one time. Let's do it well. Let's be kind. I love that. Yeah. That's so beautiful. I love that. That is so cool. That is a good quote. We'll put that on there. We'll put it on our stories. Well, thank you so much for your time, Jackie. We have had a ball. Um, We have learned so much about cystic fibrosis from you. And um, where can our listeners find you if they want to follow your story? Yes. So my Instagram is Jackie Moon Fraser. Wonderful. We'll put that in the link. A lot of people think my middle name is Moon, but it's not. (laughs) It would be cute, though. It would be cute. Luna. My name's Luna. (laughs) (laughs) It's just from um, the movie Semi Pro. I always get called Jackie Moon. So, yeah, and you can follow along if you like. It's just me oversharing and lots of dog pictures. We're That's all for us. that. Chronically <laughs> sick chicks, chronically oversharing. oversharing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you yep. fall into that bracket. We appreciate that. We love. We, we welcome we anyone. Love to overshare. Yeah, it's fine. People learn from that, and it's beautiful. Yeah. We yeah. love it. 
But um, we hope you all have a great week and have enjoyed listening to this beautiful conversation with Jackie. We will put all of the links in the description so you can follow along and become an organ donor. Correct. Um, But in the meantime, we hope you have a fantastic week, team. Take care.